Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. How things going? Uh, things are going. Another frantic Monday and <laughs> just roller coaster week uh, in general, per <laughs> usual. I thought you were supposed to be a, a calm company. I know. Uh, it, that's It's really funny you say that because I've been thinking a lot about that uh, over the weekend as far as, yeah, how to become more of a calm company. And uh, mm. this this might be something that I bring up this week in the uh, the investors like founder, uh, all founders meeting. So mm. yeah, I'm struggling with that. So we'll see. Yeah, it's tough. I don't blame you. I am a company of one and I still feel like things are hectic and not calm. And so it did, it's totally, I mean, it's gotta be like a science, you know, it's just like discipline and habit and culture and routine and a whole bunch of other things, automation and delegation and all the things. Yeah. And I think like long-term thinking, you know, that's something that I struggle with and patience. It's, it's so easy to get focused on the day-to-day problems, the weekly problems. Uh, and yeah, yeah, I don't know how I've been listening to, uh, Justin Jackson's product people podcast that I used to do a number of years ago. Oh really? Uh, Yeah. The backlog. Yeah. I, I don't even remember how I stumbled upon it, but there's been, I mean, he interviewed some, you know, very well-known bootstrappers and, uh, and other people. And it's just, it's interesting to hear people talk about how it took them two and a half, three years, four years for things to really start working with their company and to really get into a good place. And yeah, it's like, I always have to remember, like, that's how long the the time horizons are that we're dealing with. Mm. Right. (laughs) Much, Much longer times than before. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Kind of a tough pill to swallow. I think I've had to remind myself of that for Swipe Files as well. Since it's so, you know, still pretty early on. And even just like, I'm like, yeah, I, I think I sort of discounted this idea because it's not software. But um, actually getting to like some sort of product market fit is, is still a thing for like creating content, especially like a membership site where it's still a, you know, recurring charge and recurring revenue. Um, and figure out that I was like, yeah, I haven't even figured out like product market fit yet. Like, I think I'm close. I think that with this next kind of iteration, hopefully I'll kind of be there and I can really start to not step away, but really like, you know, things will be streamlined and I can, uh, I can reach, you know, the amount of members that I want to, but also, uh, you know, things will be going as I want them to. And so, you know, kind of have to give yourself a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Exactly. I mean, you haven't even been at it for a full year yet and you, you, you do definitely have some traction. Um, but yeah, we, we always need to remember how long these things take. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, especially I think now, like, so kind of an update on the, the whole like, content thing. Uh, yeah. I've definitely been feeling, I don't know, like the last week, just some like peace about sort of where I want to take swipe files and what I want to do with it. And sort of the updates I think I need to make. Um, with the course updates, creating new courses, bundling everything under one plan, one membership, and then some of these kind of like bigger projects and like working on a one by one instead of kind of 
scattered here and there, like, you know, newsletter, retaining marketing ideas, sort of, uh, the master swipe file, my curated swipe file, if you will. And, um, kind of having to come to peace with the fact that it's going to take a while too. It's like, Oh, this must be like what it's like to build software <laughs> because everything <laughs> takes so long. I was like, Oh, I just want to, I was like, can I ever, could I like make a course in a week? I'm like, no, probably not <laughs> two weeks. Well, I was like, Oh, the last time I created a course, it was like 30 days. And I was like really killing myself over it. So I was like, mm-hmm. uh, it's just going to take longer than I want it to. And it's a bummer, but it is what it is. Yeah, totally. I always feel that way with like developing new features or for JetBoost, like new booster plugins. Like, could I isolate myself completely from the rest of the world and develop this in a week? (laughs) And maybe in the beginning it was yes. And I I did that sort of a couple times, but now with one, like I don't have that option, uh, you know, just with like existing customers and like, everything is just harder to do now. It takes longer. Mm. Uh, there's more, more things to think about and, yeah. uh, and some of the easier features have already been picked off. So yeah, it's like always wanting to go so fast and, and you can't. <laughs> right. Right. It was interesting. I listened to, um, the, I think it was the last art of product podcast where they had, um, Penelope, I want to forget her last name, but, uh, sorry with a P or something. Uh, she's a, product manager or like director of engineering something at stripe <laughs> so i'm pushing everything about <laughs> career, but uh super super smart been there for a long time and um you know derek and ben were asking about how they're able to ship stuff so like consistently and like pretty quickly compared to a lot of other companies but then like even then a lot of their, like they're like big products and features still take you know nine months to a year, but that it's cause they have everything running concurrently that it feels like, you know, they're shipping all the time. But in reality, it's like these mini companies, you know, all shipping these slow iterations, but kind of stagger one after another. And, uh, but then you think about, so, uh, I think it was Tyler actually was kind of ragging on Rome research because like nothing's changed in the last few months or something <laughs> like that. He's like, so is this what happens when every company like raises a giant round and they just like stop building stuff and, I, I get it a little bit. Uh, like, you know, come on, like where are the updates? You know, where's the new stuff? Where's the stuff that you promise? But also, I also get the side of like stuff just takes a long time and it just takes a while. And especially as you grow and the longer time goes on, it, it becomes harder to ship quicker. And so that's you know, a battle. Yeah. I'd imagine too, when you raise that money, I'm sure they hired people and whatnot. Like you're not only I'm building the product, it, yeah. but you're also building the company. Yeah. 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 Totally. Uh, speaking of which, actually, this is uh, on back on the com company thread before we close that thought out. But uh, yeah, I don't know where David Perel found this, but I feel like I've seen it before, but I can't really put my, my finger just on what it's from. Um, oh, it's from Naval, actually. Uh, but he posted on Twitter. He's like, word for word, this is the best thing I've ever read about running an internet business. And then he kind of has these bullet points, outsource everything that isn't core, people choose what to work on, no task longer than one week, which I thought was interesting, one person per project, keep the team small, hire doers, not talkers. And then he like highlights kind of like where those principles are from, from the article. And uh, it's all about like shipping and shipping fast and like shipping consistently. And um, 
I was like, yeah, there's like the, <laughs> there's the ethos right there. Like, I don't know. Those are probably like the, the major big ones for just how to be productive as a, as a software startup or a comm company. Yeah, totally. And that goes back to the, the art of product that you mentioned with Penelope, like her whole thing, uh, basically what she was saying was like her team only develops internal products at Stripe for oh, other right. Stripe teams so that they can move faster. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's crazy to that have. Was... Yeah. Nuts. Oh, it was nuts. She was like, oh, um, you know, like everyone was celebrating like this thing compiled, like used to take 20 minutes. Now it takes like 10 minutes. <laughs> like, it's like, oh my gosh, like, that's like <laughs> the, the big, I mean, I get it because when you have like, I don't know, like a thousand developers where they have like, you know, you have these kind of compounding gains, but uh, man, like that's, those are productivity gains on a whole nother level. Um, this yeah. is like, you know, simple stuff compared to, compared to that. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. And it, it did get me thinking, you know, for JetBoost, especially with uh, onboarding Corey right now and, and other developers, like there are, there's a lot of technical debt just from, you know, being a company of one mm. for so long and not having a chance to pay that down and, and that not being a priority. And so it's, the interview had me thinking a little bit about, uh, you know, at what point do we start to focus on that and uh, basically solely for the purpose of being able to move faster and, hmm. uh, you know, and what other sort of tools can we put into place to, you know, whether it's like automated testing or, or whatever, um, just to help people move faster and, and ship faster. Cause like you said, at the end of the day, like hmm. that's what matters. Yeah. Right. I saw something the other day about, uh, or maybe it was even today, something on Twitter, so weird how I like capture information and it kind of comes up but some, <laughs> cause I didn't fully understand it, but I saw something about an indie hacker tool that someone was building that basically just allowed you to like write and I guess like manage automated tests easier for your code. That way you can like actually the whole value prop is like as a bootstrapper, like no one has time to like write tests. And it was like, this allows you to do that without like losing all the time that it takes to do it. And I was like, Oh, interesting. But like, that's like uh, a really specific, um, you know, <laughs> but it's imp important for, for scaling, right? That's what you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'd be, if you find that link, I'd be interested to check it out. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> no, I'll just see if I can dig it up. I don't pull it. I don't out even know board. what to look for. <laughs> but, uh, maybe I'll be able to find it. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna be a hard one to find, but I'll see if I can if I can find it. If we do, it'll be in the show notes or I'll maybe later it'll come across my mind and I'll DM you on Slack. Sounds good. So that one didn't make it into your Rome notes? That one didn't make it into the Rome notes. <laughs> no. Actually I've been using Rome less since I like switched a lot of things over to ClickUp. Um and been using ClickUp a lot more for that type of stuff. Uh, what I really like to use Rome a lot more for is just like writing, but I've also been doing a lot of my writing in typefully since a lot of my writing has been in Twitter thread mm. form because it's kind of like the, the medium is the art or like the canvas decides the art a little bit for Twitter just because you have to like, you have the confines of each tweet. 
And I just found that writing somewhere else is like counterproductive because then you just have to like rewrite it later to fit for Twitter threads. So that's why, yeah, I've been out of Rome a lot. Yeah. I think Typefully is such a cool product. I mean, I haven't, yeah. I, I don't use it because I don't write enough Twitter threads, but uh, just seeing like their launch <laughs> and how they've iterated on it, it's it's awesome. They're killing it. I feel like uh, every, you know, in like a really crowded kind of space, every product needs like a, uh, every product in that kind of space needs like a real like killer feature. And I just love like the, the one for me that I was just like, oh, yep, I want this was um, they have like the GitHub style uh, like streaks or like activity for, for days. And so you can see, you know, like which days you missed or like which days you posted a lot versus a little. And um, I just love that being able to like, so like my best streak right now is 18 days. <laughs> in the last like two months I've missed like six days, five days. Um, so one, it like keeps me kind of accountable to tweet every day, but two, like, I just, I don't know that chart for some reason. I'm just like, this is worth the money. <laughs> this alone. Wow. That's awesome. But yeah, they're, they're a fun product. I think I saw that they passed 3000 MRR, um, and they're outpacing Melbrew's early growth, which is, which is interesting. That's crazy. Yeah, Do you use it to really write good. all of your tweets or just threads? Uh, most of them. Yeah. If it's, unless yeah. it's like a spur in the moment, kind of like, I don't know, just what's on my mind in Twitter then I might just like do it right there in the app. But, uh, if I've already tweeted a few things that day, or if I'm like, if I posted a thread, especially and have more ideas for other unrelated stuff, then I'll go to Typefully and schedule it for later. So, uh, it's nice. definitely the majority of my tweets now. I'm going to have to try You You got me interested with the, that GitHub like tracking feature. <laughs> yeah. So I can see how little I'm tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a big blank screen. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Of course the, the only bummer is that, you know, I think due to Twitter's API limits, they're only able to go back like 30 days or something like that. Um, mm. But then there's a few things that they can't start tracking until you like sign sign in and authenticate with Typefully. So I only have my like earliest day history uh, was May 25th, unfortunately. Um, but now I'll have everything going forward. It was the same way with like ILO, which is Twitter analytics. And it's a bummer they don't invest more into their APIs and stuff, but it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. What else is going on for you? Not a ton. Um, wrote a few Twitter threads last week, uh, which is good to kind of get those out. And uh, so far, they've been going pretty well. I am vastly behind my goal for the uh, the Twitter growth challenge, which is ending in just about two weeks, I believe, uh, if not a little bit sooner than that. Um, but I'm feeling fine about it. You know, it was just like an exercise to get me in in the in the put into gear. So just going to continue with that. Um, and it's been really fun to kind of meeting a lot of people and getting to to see them really succeed. A lot of people are just way surpassed me and <laughs> done way, way better. So that's been fun too. Um, but one of the things, I think the main thing on my mind has been more on the membership model and just more thinking on that. I had a conversation with, um, Max Heining from hundred days of no code last week. And we just kind of traded notes and swapped stories about running a membership site in community. And, um, he was kind of in a similar space and we were just like swapping notes about, what we had been seeing and he was kind of sharing some of the same 
same stuff that I had been seeing around like low engagement with like live workshops and like people coming in and out, having like a really small core group of people who are like actively engaged week to week. Um, just like what people are looking for, core based courses. Like we just like traded all of the notes on it. And one of the things that really stood out to me was I kind of, I was telling about like my original inspiration and I'd written this note that was like spy files inspiration. And, um, it was a whole bunch of like membership sites and like paid newsletters that I thought I could kind of like model after or take something from. And, um, so you know how sometimes when you just like talk about something, you, you start saying things that you like maybe like subconsciously knew, but like you hadn't really like verbalized that it was like true. Well, I had like one of those moments when I was talking to him and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I looked to like fizzle and product manager HQ and, um, maker pad administrative testing and trends by the hustle. And those are like some of like the big kind of inspirations for what I thought could be like a marketing membership site. And I was like, yeah. And the interesting part about all of them is that they all like lead with content, but then like the staying power and the real values in the community. But I was telling I feel like I don't have this, you know, I kind of have like this mismatched alignment in the incentives and the model because a lot of the content is kind of gated behind the price point for the all access pass and upgrading to get the courses um, versus like being able to, to come for that and then stay for the community. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> like, yes, that's, that's what I've been thinking. Like I've been trying to like verbalize this whole time and like further, further validation. I think that that's more the model that I want to, um, that I want to, uh, kind of remold myself in Swipe Files after. And so, um, now I kind of have a little bit more like invigorated to reinvigorated to create that content, really push towards that model, a little bit more confidence to making that change. And I'm also just like noticing that trend across them. I was like, yep. I can see now why they, they did that, you know, and why it worked that way. And I don't think it was bad that I like kind of started with the community, even though I had, I had created the courses before and a lot of like the teardowns before I had, I had really positioned the community as like the main thing early on for the membership. Whereas it's not that it's not the main thing. It's just, that's not the way that people, uh, like get into the membership, if that makes sense. So mostly thinking out loud, but that's, that was mostly what was on my mind last week, thinking, doing research, kind of strategizing, jotting down notes. Um, and especially after that conversation with Max, which was really, really insightful. Yeah. So are are you thinking of making the, I guess I didn't totally follow as far as like what content would be free versus what would still be mm. paid? Yeah. So everything free would be, uh, basically just like the newsletters and then, uh, like tiny market ideas. And I want to have like a, a main kind of like newsletter. Um, and then besides that, everything would be paid. So, uh, the courses, um, my swipe file teardowns community, but instead of being kind of like, you know, this like value ladder of, you have like the pro, pro membership and then the all access membership, it would just be the membership, you know, the plan. Mm. Uh, at a little bit of a higher price point, so maybe like one ninety nine or two ninety nine. But I'd be marketing pretty aggressively, you know, for people to lock in the the, the ninety nine dollars a year membership um, before that switch happens. Um, so that's that's the idea. That's the thought. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean that aligns with 
what you've been saying for a while now as far as having just the you know the one plan and that gets mm-hmm. you everything yeah yeah exactly and i don't think it's a coincidence either that um the last several like maybe even half of the new members that have come through the door in the last month have been all access members and uh since i also started kind of like sneakily testing this new model of offering basically like half off to the all access membership and a one-time kind of offer to people who signed up for the newsletter first, just to like see if that was like a compelling thing. And that's where a lot of these people are coming from. And so it kind of gives me a little more confidence too, that like one ninety nine or two ninety nine is a compelling price point for this type of, you know, everything in one uh, package together. Awesome. Yeah. That's really it though. Um, did I was I was reminded by Adam Grant who posted about thinking time for for knowledge workers and I did a lot of thinking time last week still was pretty productive actually I spent an insane amount of time on the Twitter threads last week but um that's pretty much it as far as uh, updates for me you, you mentioned in the beginning uh trying to get away from like working on a bunch of different things kind of concurrently and just f- zooming in focusing on one thing at a time do you have that priority set? Cause like, that's what I always struggle with so mm. hard. I know. Yeah. That, that's what I've been thinking a little bit more about. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm trying to finish out the month strong on Twitter. So just creating a lot more content for the rest of the month, uh, for that. And then, um, moving to the newsletters. And what I'd like to do is just create the tiny marketing ideas newsletter, maybe create like 50 or a hundred ideas uh, in like newsletters that are just automated that'll send out daily. Um, and then create like a a regular kind of newsletter stream of maybe 20 to 30 kind of automated newsletters to be sent out for new subscribers and old subscribers, but you know, kind of be dripped out automatically instead of me sending manually. Um, and then really, really diving into new courses, uh, and starting with the one that'll be framed around the orb framework and then one about copywriting and then making updates to the existing courses. So today that's the, that's how I have it written here on a little piece of paper right next to me. And um, I could change, but that's how I've been thinking about the, the priority list. Oh, can you hear me still? Oh, sorry. I think I was muted. Nope. No problem. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, no, I just said that. That's that's nice that you got that all straightened out because that can be the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, and it's hard because, again, looking at that, I'm like, oh, well, what if I just like do like a couple at the same time? <laughs> and like, I want to just like get to the courses, but like I really should work on these things first because they're kind of neglected. And I think there's a lot of juice there, and that'll help me have a more successful launch later. And so um, now it's definitely me looking at that timeline and, thinking about how long it's going to take and kind of looking to my, my goal. I think I mentioned this last time, but I think um, what I'd like to do is like have everything ready by the time, you know, definitely before like black Friday, but uh, you know, maybe like by November have all that kind of like done and wrapped up. And then I can like make a really, really aggressive push for November and December to really market it pretty hard. Um, and even, you know, run as to all sorts of stuff to really make the most of it by the end of the year. Awesome. 
Yeah, I love having those dates. I mean, I love it and hate it having those dates set in stone where, where it's like <laughs> super important to get it done by then, but uh, it, it is very helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah, love-hate relationship. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely a motivating factor. Thinking about that, because, you know, I me think about the timelines and dates, and I was like, okay, definitely want to get it done by this time, and I think I reasonably do that, and if I spend, you know, a month in each course, and then a month for the course updates, and yada, yada, and it's like, okay, you know, November is the time I want to be done with all this. Yeah. It's crazy, too, because that sounds so far away, but... It's like it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like basically, yeah, two weeks is gonna be August. And, oh, yeah, that's crazy. I can't even believe it. August, September, October. Like three months, really. I know. Of solid work time. It's nuts. Yeah. The yeah. the other kind of motivating factor is that I would definitely want to be done with a lot of this by the time that it's snowboarding season. <laughs> so that oh, I there can you go. go. And disappear on the takes a couple of long weekends, you know, and especially like December when it starts, you know, um, I'm still kind of mulling over my, my original idea to take the whole month of December off. Uh, <laughs> probably maybe it won't end up being the whole month of December, but being able to take a few long weekends or maybe like a full week to snowboard and stuff would be fun. Yeah. I hear you. I, I think I planned for hoping to take two weeks off and <laughs> now I'm like, I don't even know if that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is that you know, there's like the last week of December, which is like basically a wash because who's working right after Christmas before the new year anyways. And then there's kind of like the week before Christmas or like and or during Christmas where you're not really doing a whole lot anyways. Not a lot of people are online. Like you're not really in the mood anyways. So I feel like you have about two weeks kind of like built in anyway. So like even just do like light work if you wanted to, if it's not like fully off, but it's taking more time off before that. That's, I feel like the tricky part. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, the first two weeks and everyone's like scrambling to get everything done before they leave for but, the last yeah. two weeks. Yeah. Right. Before end of year. That's the tough part, but yeah. yeah. What about you? What was last week like for you? Any, uh, any updates, anything new? Yeah. Uh, a few things going on. So number one, just continuing to work with Corey, get him onboarded. Um, so he's getting pretty knee deep into the product now, which is exciting. Uh, but of course there was, <laughs> as it seems like every week, there was like a somewhat of a fire that popped up or, um, it's, it's good and bad. It's, it's kind of very exciting because, uh, so basically there is a Webflow enterprise agency, uh, building a Webflow site for an extremely large customer, um, like, <laughs> I looked up their traffic numbers, like their uh, top 5,000 global site. Um, and yeah, they are, so they sent me some questions and that the agency did. And basically they're using JetBoost all over this site. And number one, I was like, holy crap, I can't believe that. Uh, <laughs> and then immediately like, uh, this is like a whole new level of scale that I don't know if we're ready for. Um, mm. So yeah, just looking at their, their monthly traffic numbers from, I looked on like similar web. I don't know how accurate that is, but um, their, the, their site alone does like double all the rest of JetBoost customers traffic combined. Oh my gosh. Uh, it, well, 
traffic as far as pages that are actually using JetBoost because that's all we mm. we look at. Right. Um, so it would basically so triple yeah. your traffic and your like throughput. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I guess, thankfully, I just implemented that caching layer last month. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still I'm still concerned about it, and I, there's a few other things with the site um, that is concerning, just with how, like, limitations to how JetBoost is able to integrate with Webflow or or any third parties able to integrate with Webflow right now, and um, so I'm trying to work through that with them and make sure they fully understand like what those limitations are and, and what they're trying to do. Um, and yeah, also, yeah, the, the, the JetBoost pricing model is, I, I've known for a long time, like it's not what it should be. Um, and it's, it, I unfortunately took the like common starter indie hacker approach of just like unlimited everything, like unlimited Webflow projects, <laughs> unlimited traffic, unlimited, hmm. you know, collection items or all these different metrics that we, that, that are value metrics and that we could price on. Um, yeah. and so what's happened there is there are people who are just starting out with Webflow. They're, you know, building a brand new product that they're hoping to monetize and they're paying the same amount for JetBoost that, uh, you know, global corporations are that, uh, mm-hmm. uh top Webflow agencies are that, that use it with, you know, uh, tens of or hundreds of clients even. Um, yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, this, this is happening sooner than I would like because, you know, I was even thinking like, you know, we might have to set up like a whole dedicated instance for them, you know, of the, the servers and whatnot. Uh, which obviously then you're talking about like, enterprise pricing basically. And I haven't even thought mm-hmm. about that for yeah. JetBoost or, or what this effort would take. And um, so I'm trying to, I think, steer them in the direction of like, this is not the best solution for you right now. Um, but at the same time, like there also aren't great alternatives for them uh, with, with what they're trying to do. So uh, and all the you're, JetBoost you're thinking about shooting them down using. for using JetBoost? <sighs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's. Do you know what their what their timeline is like on when they want to ship? You know, the deliverable for the enterprise client. Yeah, um, it's funny. I just got a message from them right before this, and it's a bit. I'm a bit confused still because basically they're, they're building a proof of concept for the client, but they also made it seem like the proof of concept could go live. Like it was, it was I really didn't understand the, the wording of the message. So I got to follow up and see. Um, but I think they were talking about the proof of concept going live, like by the end of, uh, by next week, basically. Um, oh, which if it's if it's not the real site, then it's not like all of a sudden you know all the traffic's going to come. So that would be fine, um, right? But yeah, I I need to get some clarification there on the timeline because that that was one of the things I asked them about because that certainly affects things. 
Yeah. I'd be like, look, well, you could probably, you know, communicate some of those concerns around the way that they're using it compared to sort of like the current product and or pricing and or limitations and your concerns about it and basically ask for like a clear timeline that you can see if you can work with, you know, because if they're like, oh, well, site's not going to go live for another three months or something like that's basically gives you like three months to go and try to, you know, do those things or squash those problems before they come up so that you can slap on a big sticker price um, and also communicate that, you know, upfront. But, uh, yeah, I mean, regardless, it feels like definitely the pricing changes that, you know, this will sort of like usher those in, but, um, are, are there like big, you know, I guess like scaling slash, uh, product updates that need to be made to, or is it mainly just like pricing and how customers get billed? Um, it could be both. So the the main concern I have is like, the, and maybe I should try to figure out how to do some sort of load testing for the servers, but I don't really know with our current infrastructure what the upper limit is. Like maybe mm. we can handle 50 times more traffic than we can, th than we are doing right now. And there aren't any changes needed, but my assumption is it's probably more like we can handle, you know, somewhere from like two to five times more traffic. Uh, uh. And so to have one customer who's paying $30 a month, uh, eat all that up, <laughs> uh, does not feel good. And again, the other tricky part is like, they're free to sign up with the current plans and, and pay for it. And, you know, so to, to figure out how to retroactively be like, sorry, <laughs> um, but we're going to have to move you up to a much higher pricing point. Yeah, well that, dude, but, that's totally reasonable and normal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially for those types of things, you know, you just, you, you reach the limit and then you're like, hey guys, sorry, but, you know, and they, here's what I'm wondering is, um, do you have any idea of Webflow's enterprise pricing? Um, yeah, so that's funny you asked that because I, I haven't uh, finished it yet, but I have a draft email to send to someone asking about that because mm -hmm. that's, that, I think that's uh, great anchor point yeah i would figure that that out asap because well one you know we we don't really know how great that pricing is um mm -hmm. but two regardless you know you can probably charge the same maybe not more but the same if not a little bit less than what that price point is and they'd be fine with it you know because they're already committed to webflow you know they're looking like and then if not, that's fine. You don't have to deal with it, right? But at least you're like getting as much out of it as you're you're supposed to be, given you know how much they're going to be putting it to the test. Um, but 100%, I wouldn't feel awkward about like, hey guys, we have to chant. Like, they're probably <laughs> like, dude, I don't know how long we're going to be able to be on this thirty dollar a month price before uh, you know the founder reaches out and wants more money from us. So that happens all the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, de it definitely feels a little like bait and switch to me, um, <laughs> nah. which I know is just, it, it is what it is, but you're built. Yeah. I mean, you're figuring it out along the way. Like it's just a simple, Hey guys, when I created the pricing, I didn't anticipate stuff like this. I knew we needed to get to it, but 
you know, um, now is the time that I need to rethink this. Here's, here's the new updated pricing and I have to install these limits, you know, for the benefit of you so that, you know, nothing crazy happens and you can ensure reliability and service and yada, yada, yada. You can afford mm-hmm. to, you know, whatever. There's lots of ways to sort of wrap a bow on it, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, even something like, like $300 a month still feels like almost low, you know, and or right. reasonable. Um, definitely not on the higher, you know, end of the threshold according to what I would expect from someone like that. Right. Yeah, totally. And, and even really simple thresholds, like, like page views, you know, I don't know. It's just like, you don't have to like roll out a new pricing. It's just like roll out like a new limitation. Just like, I don't know, a hundred thousand page views a month or something. After that it's enterprise pricing, contact us. And then you create a quote, you know, out of thin air and you're just like, okay, here's what it is now. Um, you know, this feels reasonable. <laughs> Will you pay this or yeah. not? And then you go from there. But like whatever kind of threshold they'll meet, just pick one or two and then call it a day to see, you know, instead of like overthinking the pricing, you have to redesign things from scratch. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a little weird with the current pricing model because it's more centered around like which parts of JetBoost do you want to use? So do you want to pay pick and choose and pay for these individually or do you just want, you know, one of the bundles? Um, but yeah, I think I can make it work just throwing on like here, here are the, uh, you know, limitations for the different routes that you, you may go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And pick something really simple, you know, I don't know if it, like whatever is like the main like worry, or like the main indicator for like how to distinguish an enterprise customer from a non-enterprise customer, I would just pick that and then like make that mm-hmm. the new like enterprise value metric, you know, call it a day, revisit mm-hmm. that one later, just punt it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is helpful because I know Webflow has that as one of their metrics. Uh, when you look at their hosting pricing, oh, yeah. uh, with like page views or whatever. So, yeah, I think that's that's what I'll have to do. Well, that's fun stuff. Big customers, <laughs> you know, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, I was thinking, like, I mean, this is one of the things about building on top of another platform. Like, I myself would never be able to go out and land a, you know, top five thousand global website and uh, company, mm, but right because Webflow is now going after enterprises and uh, has huge customers, like some of them by working with some of these agencies that use JetBoost and know about JetBoost, like they're starting to use it as well. Um, and again, we haven't uh, updated on our on our homepage to <laughs> reflect that fact, <laughs> uh, but there are some, some large companies using it, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I found I found your pricing changes for you. So I went to Webflow's pricing page, and then I went to their site plans, and they have basic, CMS, business, and enterprise. And so on the business plan, the it looks like the max monthly visits um, is five hundred thousand, and the max collection items is ten thousand. And uh, so you could either just copy that, or you could go even a little bit lower. 
And, uh, you know, if you want to, depends on what you want to consider enterprise or not, where you want people to meet that threshold. But I would just pick one of those numbers, you know, like they've already done the research for you. And right. Again, you have to sort of match given that you're built on top of them. You don't have to match exactly though. But, uh, I mean, that's great data, right? Just knowing when they start to charge for enterprise, it's 500,000 and above, and then 10,000 and above for CMS items. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what we'll have to do. Fun stuff. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you can make it happen, make it work. <laughs> I know. And, and make it happen in time. Yeah. And get the, the data about, uh, the enterprise pricing. If anyone's an OFLO enterprise customer or uh team member, <laughs> reach out to Chris. Yeah. That is true. I, I might know a few people that I could maybe reach out to. But well, I'm just going to reach out to someone at Webflow and see if, if they'll tell me. Yeah. I mean, you could, uh, you could probably guess. Mm, my guess, it's interesting because Webflow goes from twelve dollars, sixteen, thirty-six. But I think the enterprise probably starts has to start at at least a hundred, if not quickly get into the thousands. So it wouldn't surprise me if you know, you at like the very upper end you could charge up to a thousand dollars a month. You know, depending on and the the, the main value metrics they probably use are still like monthly visits and collection items. So you take someone with, I don't know, a million or two million monthly visits, and they're probably looking at at least five hundred dollars a month for Webflow Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if Webflow. I don't think they set up like dedicated instances for enterprise, but I could be wrong. I, I don't know enough about their infrastructure. But even just looking, so if I if I were to do that. Um, you know, just basing the pricing off of cost, which, uh, is what you're told not to do. <laughs> uh, it, it, it would still, it wouldn't make sense, uh, to charge anything less than like 500 just to cover the server cost. And then also, um, really you know, have some, some margin there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like with enterprise, you can kind of like break a lot of the rules that are sort of best practices, including, you know, the cost stuff and the cost based pricing because right. for an enterprise, you actually do have to consider the costs and, uh, cause they're very expensive. And so sure you can incorporate some cost based pricing in there. Why not? You have to. Yeah. Yeah. So fi figuring that out, <laughs> you got it. Well, I believe in you we can make it work. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so pretty much that was the big thing last week. Like I said, also working with Corey. And then um, I've been scheduling a lot of customer interview calls. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, really trying to nail down the direction of the product and, and where we want to take things, uh, especially now with having some extra resources you know, and, and make sure that we use those wisely. So, uh, I had the first one today and it was amazing. <laughs> it, it made me think like, why haven't I been just doing ongoing customer calls like all the time? <laughs> mm, yeah, uh, yeah. 
you know, number one, it's just encouraging to, to talk to people that rely heavily on JetBoost, um, to be talking to customers who are like happy with the product, who feel like they're underpaying, who feel like, uh, you know, it's, it's helping them sell their clients on Webflow and, um, keep them on Webflow and keep them able to, you know, cause they love working in Webflow and there's just certain things that, uh, sometimes clients need that again, that's w- what JetBoost is helping to provide. So that was really good. And I, I definitely learned a lot from it. Um, and that was just the first one. So I've got a few more later this week and yeah, it's just like, of course the answer is always go talk to customers and, uh, <laughs> I've, I've gotten away from that a little bit and now it's, uh, it's, it's certainly helping with, you know, clarity and whatnot. Mr. Hanson would be proud doing it right. Deploying empathy. Yeah, we, uh, we, her and I had a conversation last month, um, basically about customer interviews and, uh, what I was looking to do for JetBoost. And she really helped me a lot, uh, along with one of the other, uh, JetBoost advisors who, um, you know, gave me some good tips as well. And I, I used, uh, one of her scripts to kind of set things up and, um, you know, just sort of, I guess I, I didn't really stick to the script, but it was more of just like understanding how you think about one of these calls. And, um, so yeah, she's, I bought her book too, <laughs> just to show some support. So I'm excited for when Same. that comes out officially. Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. That'll be, I'm interested to hear what else you learned from the, the customer calls and research and, uh, what you uncover there. Yeah. By the way, update on uh, last week, I think I mentioned that I was putting out uh, sort of like an offer for landing page audit and was blown away by the response. And uh, the the eye surgery for the doggo was fully funded. So that was great to, um, great to see and super appreciative of everyone who, who bought one. And now I really have to get to work this week on them. So <laughs> um, there's a whole bunch, I think there's like 25 plus that I need to do. Uh, so I'm going to start on those tomorrow and, um, but yeah, just wanted to say thanks and give an update on, on the landing page. Audit. It's been, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. That's amazing. I don't know if you saw, but I got in on that. Yeah, I saw. I'm excited <laughs> to go through and, uh, and brainstorm yeah. for you. Yeah. No, I was actually, I was really excited because yeah, it's been a long time since I've touched the JetBoost landing page. And, uh, so I'm curious to, hear your thoughts. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm working right now too. I think it, it always helps doing a sort of like service thing to like really clarify sort of like your framework and process for how you do something. And the last time I think I had like a pretty, a pretty good framework, but this time I'm like going to be really buttoned up on like the checklist and what is that I'm looking for and how I'm giving advice to people. And so, um, uh, that'll help me one be more like streamlined and productive with the video, but, uh, two, I think it'll be helpful for people just to see the checklist and also just to know sort of like what I'm checking against so that they can, you know, improve the pages and whatnot. So that'll be fun. Yeah. That's like totally something you can turn into a course then. Like I know how I do it. (laughs) Yeah. There's so many little small things that are just, yeah, super easy. Uh, probably, yeah, I end up posting something about it in the community. Um, framework and or process or learnings or something like that. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, 
time to get to work. We're next week. Um, I'll be out. Uh, I'll be in Disneyland with family. Um, oh, nice. It's funny. I actually, when I left Bear Metrics, we had, we were using something called Bonusly, and it like kind of gives you a little um, like points that you can redeem for gift cards for getting rewarded for I don't know doing good stuff by your teammates. And um, I had saved all mine since I was at Bear Metrics, and then I finally cashed them in when I left, and I bought uh, Disneyland uh, gift cards basically for my wife and I to go. And uh, and then you know there's been COVID, and then Disneyland was like closed forever. And, uh, and now it's finally opening back up and then now there's like Star Wars land and there's like Marvel, Marvel universe kind of space. So we're taking some of, um, her, her younger siblings as well. And, um, and will be out. So, uh, one, I got to get all this stuff done before then and you know, <laughs> most of it before then, um, so I can take the days off, but, uh, two won't be out. I'll be out next week. Cool. You're off the whole week. Oh, just those two days, Monday, Tuesday. Be back Wednesday. Okay. Nice. Yeah. That's fun though. Long weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be, uh, we'll be spending the night one night on Monday night that way. Cause we got two day tickets. Actually they're running a deal right now where it's only like 10 bucks more and they give you an extra day. So we'll be there for two days, but we'll actually get another day that we'll go later, uh, at another time, but we'll be there Monday, Tuesday, spend the night, Monday night. Awesome. Yeah. It's fun stuff. I mean, I just have a little time off, bringing off the uh, the business stuff. But um, yeah, anything else top of mind before we close? Uh, n- uh, only one thing, which y- you just made me think of. Um, I want to put a request out there: if anyone listening is a JetBoost customer and Ooh. you would be interested in talking to me uh, about the future of the product. Definitely reach out. Uh, I've I've tried to. I've only reached out to a few people so far, and it's been very haphazard. So, <laughs> I would encourage any inbound. Um, and yeah, just DM me on Twitter or email me at chris at jetboost.io. Nice, super fun, cool. We'll have as many of the links in the show notes, uh, in or in the show notes, and uh, you can also ask us a question. We'll have a link to Chris's email and/or some sort of link to book a call with you in the show notes as well. And we'll see you in the next one.